my, my go-to is always choose what nourishes you and not depletes you. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, it's that time again for us to get all started, get fired, get some education, get some learning, get some help, get some where we're struggling. Just have someone, you know, just want to get on here and tell us how to overcome some of our challenges in life. You know, we all go through something at some time or another, and it seems like life comes back and kicks us into teeth again. So just take some knowledge, some inspiration, some motivation, encouragement, and then share it with other people down the line, pay it forward is what they say, right? And so uh, that way, uh, you know, maybe when when it's our time to move on, that we have made the little world around us a little better than when we came in. All right, so today, our guest today, she's going to talk about uh, she had uh, suffered from limiting self-belief and self-confidence. Okay, so that's a little story in itself. But on top of that, later on, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And shortly after her first chemo, appendicitis, had to go into surgery. Well, see, what I tell you, life comes around and kicks you in the teeth when you least expect it. You know, which, you know, the breast cancer is bad enough as it is. And then appendicitis hit? Wow. All right. Now, she has come through all of this, and she has got it to the other side. And now her main objective is to help people. All right. And the most valuable lesson she learned that she has uh, to start living the life that she wants now. So welcome to the show, Louise McMillan. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Oh, no, no, thank you. I'm glad you're here. You know, that uh, way we can, uh, you know, help other people. You know, they say uh, they say all this stuff's going to be on the Internet forever and a day, they say. So just thinking 100 years from now, someone's going to find this and you're going to fire them up and inspire them. Uh, yes, let's hope so. <laughs> so oh, that's it. You know, provide the little piece of hope, a little nugget, and then, you know, it can just uh, go from there. Absolutely. So, all right, Louise. So what I do normally is I tell people, it's a, I'm just providing a platform. So it's your story. And I'll chime in with my little two cents every now and again. And of course, with inflation, I don't know how the inflation over in your part of the world, but with inflation here, uh, my two cents is really a nickel's worth, but still it's only valuable for two cents. <laughs> so Yeah, let's not go there without what's happening over here. <laughs> oh, I hear you. All right. Uh, so, yeah, you're on the other side of what they say, the other, the other, on the other side of the pond is what they say. So, Absolutely. All right. Well, appreciate you being here and, uh, again, sharing your valuable time. And, Louise, take off with it. Okay. So, I suppose what... As you quite rightly said at the beginning, um, I suffered from limiting belief and lack of self-confidence. And that actually impinged on me for most of my life. So so growing up, um, I was kind of always a little bit kind of not wary, but always very self-conscious about what I did um, and who I spent time with and other people's opinions. I think it was just the way we were just brought up in the UK. And um, so therefore, I never really knew who I was because I have... I'm the middle middle child as well. So I wasn't the first to do anything and I was always, wasn't the last to do anything. 
So knowing where I was and where I fitted in was, was quite hard. And um, I do know, because uh, we've looked at it, that from an early age, I would suffer from seasonal affective disorder. So coming around this time of the year, um, I wasn't very much playing outside of my my siblings and the, the neighbours' children um, in our little cul-de-sac. Um, I was very much, I'd rather be sat inside reading a book or something. So we kind of knew that in the winter, my whole kind of mood, I suppose, and everything else was different. But as I got older, that whole limiting self-belief and lack of self-confidence really did impinge me. I never felt that what I did was good enough. I never felt that um, I would be able to achieve the things I wanted to achieve in life. Um, when I kind of used to say what my ambitions were, whether that was at school or college or even the beginning bit of my, my working life, someone always had some kind of flippant comments that would be made. And as always, what you do is if you hear something said a number of times, you tend to believe it. And of course, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how many people say really positive things. If someone says one thing negative and someone kind of goes, yeah, I agree, or it said again, you kind of start believing believing that. Yeah, isn't it amazing that uh, we used to be so hard and critical on ourselves as well? Uh, but then uh, when we, uh, but when someone else makes the comment that we're already believing anyway, all it is is, you know, uh, verifying what we believe, what we're thinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, what we learn now as we get older, it's just the world according to them. It doesn't mean it's right. And yeah. it's their viewpoint. We all have a different view based on our own experiences. But you don't know that when you're younger and you, exactly. you, know, you feel that everybody else knows best, uh, especially adults. Um, and when sort of nitpicking and comments come from all different places, um, it is quite it is quite hard. And so um, I suppose in my 20s, very much with my friends, you always go out partying, that kind of thing was just happening naturally. But obviously, I never felt that I was dressed right. I never felt that I was funny enough, never felt that I was pretty enough compared to them. Um, and therefore, you know, you kind of always be, were kind of self-conscious. And it also then impacted then on my professional career as a, a human resources professional. I was qualified. I did my professional qualifications. Um, but I was just waiting for someone to pick me up on perhaps the fact that I was faking it. Because sometimes it just felt natural thing that you would do. It felt obvious. It was kind of common sense. So I was excelling quite well. But I was like, you know, me be becoming this, that, that they're going to find out soon and then of mm -hmm. course with all the pressures of that with HR um you know burnout um I was then spiraling in and out of depression anxiety rising and and just really just didn't believe in myself and it impacted more and more on my personal life that um for I would say most of my 30s I worked I very much didn't socialize as much um, and I would say I would go out with friends, but then I would cancel because I would start overthinking. Um, and then, yeah, just used to spiral in and out of depression every so many years. Um, used to think I was getting better, but yeah, little things just used to would, would trigger off. Even things such as spiders. I know it sounds silly, but it's mm -hmm. not. Um, you know, for me, I have a real bad phobia about spiders. And if I had one in my home and I didn't deal with it very well, then I would start spiraling on, I'm absolutely useless. Um, you know, it's only a spider, the size of comparison, but yeah, it would it would just trigger, especially if I wasn't in a good place and didn't manage it very well for myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the key point. When 
we get uh, what they say here in the southern part of the states when we get lower than a snake's belly, and then we start believing. It's amazing how we will believe the nonsense, the negative, and then when someone will give us a compliment or tell us the truth. We're going, oh, no, it ain't me. No, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. It's just amazing how our mind works like that. And we have to fight real hard to get out of that. And like you said, a lot of people have a hard time recognizing or want to recognize that you still want to believe what that inner voice is telling them. Absolutely. Because when someone says something nice, you then start thinking, what are you up to? Are you, you want? are you pulling my leg? Are you trying to help me fail? You, you, it's surprising how that inner voice, that inner chatter. Yeah, what do you want? $20? What do you want? Yeah, it starts <laughs> looking things round, and mm-hmm. I guess it's the TV programs we watch as well. But again, you know, there are unfortunately people like that that will have done things like that to have, you know, sweet talk someone to, to do something. So, so yeah, you can't always be too sure. Um, so what, what, what did you uh, eventually, uh, did you seek some counseling? Did you finally just wake up and go, you know, damn it, I'm better than, I, than I'm giving myself credit for. Or, or like, again, like, did you see counseling, talking to people? Yeah, so I, I had some cognitive behavioural therapy, um, which which did help. Um, and it's one of those things where you have to keep practising what it is, the tools and everything. Um, and I'd, I'd have times when I'd be really good. There'd be a couple of years where I'd be like, oh, right, this is great. And then there'd be certain times where I wasn't aware of how I was feeling, and I would spiral back down. Mm-hmm. So in probably coming up to about October time, about 2016, um, I had been working a lot. I was working for somewhere I really loved working, um, but I basically was burnt out. hadn't realised how much burnt out that I was, and so therefore I call it Tina. No offence to anybody called Tina, but my mm-hmm. inner voice is called Tina. I have to name it. Um, it's shortened for Cretatina. Um, so mm-hmm. I call it Tina. Uh-huh. Um, and so, of course, she was taking over my head and my thought process. And I wasn't I wasn't conscious that it was happening and therefore it was getting worse. And so I ended 2016 in a really, really bad place of depression. Mm-hmm. The only people that I could tell at that time um, was probably one close friend and my mum. And then we couldn't even share that with the wider family because they just sometimes they wouldn't get it. You know, we didn't mm-hmm. talk, even back in 2016, we didn't really talk about mental health, mental mm-hmm. well-being, um, you know, depression. Um, you know, if you did, it was kind of little bits, but everybody gets Oh, it's gets, taboo. It, absolutely. And if they did, it's did, taboo because people, people just don't want to do it. They don't want to believe it. And here in the States, we're recognizing how big of a problem we're having with crime from people that's mentally on some of it, not all of it, but some of it is they're just trying to survive. You know, they're going and stealing food or whatever from a store uh, or whatever it is, and then getting hurt or killed because people don't understand the mentality. Mm. Uh, but but don't get me wrong, there's some of them just, just evil. Just not very nice people. You're just, you're just evil. And, yeah. the, and But also a part of it is they're probably mentally unbalanced. But they're doing more severe things and yeah. uh, like it too. But yeah, here it's yes, it's 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 taboo. And yes. uh, I went through a severe uh, depression and, and attempted suicide three times in three days. That's how bad I wanted out. And wow. uh, what I've come to learn when I was growing up, we were told uh, uh, growing up. I don't know if I was told, but it was understood that if you 
talked to some uh, psychologist or psychiatrist, people labeled you as crazy. He's crazy. He's having talked to a psychiatrist. Yeah. And, and so I bottled up everything as well until I attempted suicide. And again, three times, three days, I've had to it out. And of course, when you live through a suicide attempt, they make you see a psychiatrist mm-hmm. or a psychologist. And what I've learned from there is far from being crazy. I mean, I, what I've experienced, you know, I tell people, we exercise our body because we want to be physically fit as much as possible. Whereas we need to also mentally exercise our mind, clean out that garbage, talk to someone that we can you know, open up honestly to. And so, you know, it, it's, 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 if you're not exercising your mind and body only, you're only doing again, half the work. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's all like rest as well. You know, your body's aching. It needs a rest. You need to let your brain do that as, as well. And we're not, yes. we're not very good. I would say, now that we were sort of probably 40 years ago, even more, where we used to have more time to rest. Everything is on the go all the yes, time. Yeah. So I think that's that's why we don't allow ourselves to to stop and rest like we would have done 40 years ago. Sad, sad thing is supposedly all this technology stuff today, when it was first coming, was supposed to make it easier on us. And that way we had more time to go out and do things. But what do we do? It made it easier on us, and then we figure out a way we abuse it and use it more than we should, really. Absolutely. So, yeah. and that's just our nature. We just overdo uh, things. So. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then we, and we need to spend more time doing the other things and turning technology off. But then, uh, yeah. if we didn't have technology, we wouldn't be speaking now from across the pond. Hey, so. I'm, I'm thankful. <laughs> uh, I, I'm in a wheelchair. I got my neck broke playing football, and um, oh, actually, this weekend to be my 39 year anniversary and so um i'm thankful that technology has gotten where it's at because mm. after my suicide attempt my psychologist he said hey you got a story to tell you've lived through this you go you got to tell about your how you got in a wheelchair and and everything and he's one encouraged me to write my first book and now i have 10 of them out there and eventually started a youtube channel and then eventually a podcast yeah. So uh, I'm, 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 I'm glad for this. Cause again, this gives me a different platform, not to push me out anymore, but to give you and others, well, at least one other platform that y'all can get your story out to help people. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Now, um, so going through your depression, when was it uh, the cancer breast cancer took place and did that make you go down the rabbit hole even further? Oh, actually, no. Well, no, it was, um, I was coming out of the depression. Okay. So I had the depression in, in tw- end of 2016. And so 2017 was all about repairing myself, basically. Yes. And I'd had the, that conversation, blunt conversation. I don't think my mum picked up on it actually at the time what my actual words were. But I did say to her, I can't keep doing this because I've got to change something. Because otherwise, what is the point of me being here? Mm-hmm. And that was the key words were, what is the point of me being here? So I wasn't saying I was suicidal, but I was actually thinking along the lines of, what's the point? Yes, yes, yes. Um, And so I basically was, right, let's just take each little step at a time in 2017 to build myself up. And my contract had ended because it was a fixed-term contract. And so I thought, right, let's just get to the end of that and then find a new job. And it was during that time that I noticed a discharge on my left breast. 
and it happened mm -hmm. a few times. So in the mornings, it was on my pajama tops and it was like a dry, wet mark. So a bit strange. Mm -hmm. And so I went and saw my GP um, and who examined me and said, I don't think there's anything untoward. However, I'll refer you to be on the safe side. So um, I went off to the hospital, um, had an examination by a consultant who again said, I don't think there's anything untoward, but we'll refer you to be on the safe side. And now we're talking sort of end of May now, uh, uh -huh. as time's appointments come through. And um, so I had um, an ultrasound. Um, oh, no, sorry, I had a, a mammogram, first of all. Mm -hmm. And then I had an ultrasound and they examined me and said they thought there was something on my right breast. And I said, and it's my left that I've got a concern with. So bless them, they did it all over again. Went, oh, no, there's something here on your right and did a biopsy. Now, I came out of there not thinking anything at all. Um, chatted my mum because she came to the hospital with me. And so we didn't think anything of it. Thought perhaps it might have been um, a, a cyst that um, is quite common, but it's yes. nothing, you know, um, nothing um, aggressive like cancer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it literally was the following week. I had not long started my new job. So I think I might have been about week three or week four of this new job. And um, I um, had a phone call to say they had a cancellation at the hospital. Could I pop in? So I, I did in the afternoon. And that's when they told me they found cancer in my right breast. So okay. I didn't find a lump. The GP didn't find a lump. The consultant didn't find, didn't find a lump. And so therefore, if they hadn't done the tests, it wouldn't have been found. So thankfully, they did the tests to be on the safe side. And that's when they found it. Um, All right, now I got a question here. So, what was the discharge on your left breast? I mean, because thankfully that happened. I know. You to, to go get started, you Absolutely. know, with the other with the other uh, test and diagnosis. We don't know. It stopped, and literally, wow. and I didn't say it happened twice. You know, I, I'm not one of those. It happened a few times, probably about four or five times for me to yeah. go. This yeah. is a bit strange. This mm -hmm. I need to go and get it checked. So, you know, it was, and I suppose because I, at that particular time, I was just in between the jobs, so I was off work, meant that, of course, you made the appointment straight away rather than making it four weeks down the line or, you know, eight months yeah. down the line when you're at work. Yeah. So, um, and I obviously, because that, that way, then I was seen quite quick by my my GP, had appointment, I think, the same day. Um, so, yeah, we don't know. It just stopped. After that, it just stopped. It it was oh, wow. okay. my left breast was trying to say, there's something wrong with your right yeah. and it can't tell you. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, amazing. that's incredible. Absolutely. Um, and they thought that um, the cyst was 25 millimetres and stage two. So the following week, they did a lumpectomy. Um, and the consultant who did the surgery said, as soon as I opened you up, I knew it was bigger. It was actually 45 millimetres. Wow. Okay. Not 25. Um, they removed three lymph nodes and two lymph nodes tested positive for cancer. And I named them um, as I named uh -huh. everything. So I named my cancer Stan when we got told. Mm -hmm. And I named the other two Cyril and Sydney. I was trying to find names that was no names in the family, if you know what I mean, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or anyone close to me. So, um, um, and so that meant that I had to go down the chemotherapy route um, because obviously it was in my lymph nodes. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Wow. I, I'm just still, uh, you know, just put back. I guess you know that uh, your body was telling you something, and again. And how many other people ignore that? They're going, 
Oh, Absolutely. that doesn't look serious. You know, well, yeah, discharge, but that doesn't see. But I, I had someone else tell me a similar story, and somewhere in their body, something was going. I forgot exactly right now, but somewhere in their body was wasn't right, and then they found in another part of the body cancer. Yeah, and yeah, and so if they wouldn't have gone and got checked in that one area, they wouldn't have found that spot either. And so it's amazing. Yeah, we we've got to listen to our bodies. You know, I've uh, I, I've uh, two other guests I've had before. And they made basically the same statement. And the statement is pretty much is, and this is a shame that the, the statement is, you need to know your body better than your doctor does. Absolutely. You know, how many times people go and doctor says, I'm good. All right. Yay. And then what'd they say? Oh, I don't know. He just told me I'm good. And they don't know anything else. And uh, yeah, that we need to know our body and we know it that well, we can tell the doctor, no, that's that can't be right. We needed to get a second opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know your body. And I always say to people, if you go to a doctor and they say, oh, no, it's nothing. But still, you kind of think there's something wrong. Then go and see somebody else. Go back and query it and just say, look, you just got to get it checked. I, I mean, I know it's different people in different countries because of costs and everything. And we're very lucky that we have a national health service, which obviously we pay for, but we don't mm-hmm. have to worry about keep going and paying each time. But, yeah. you know, I think you've, you've only got one life and you've only got one body. And if your body is telling you and you know that gut feeling, then just go and get it checked, checked out um, and be perseverance. Perseverance, that's right. In the title up here. Professor <laughs> Perseverance. There we go. So yeah. I told somebody else I need to get a bail or something when someone says perseverance. <laughs> ding 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 ding. Yay! So I, yeah, haven't, I haven't done it yet. I, I, I gotta wake up and go do that one day. So <laughs> all right, uh, but all right now. So now um you're going to go get your uh chemo and everything and first round, all of a sudden you're going, Am I supposed to feel like this doing chemo? Absolutely. I literally, I had my chemo and it was a week later. I don't know, even a week later. It was a Friday. Yeah, so probably Wednesday, I think it was afterwards. Uh-huh. So a couple mm-hmm. of days afterwards, I started getting this, this stomach ache. And first of all, I thought perhaps it might have been something I'd eaten, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it carried on and it was getting progressively worse. And then during this time, I had to have a CT scan. So I had this big fluid of drink thing to, to drink oh, yeah. down to have the CT scan mm-hmm. um, and, and I kept saying oh, it doesn't feel right and on one, one Sunday um, I was at home I on my own because I live on my own and so I just have to say to my mum I'm not coming up for Sunday lunch I don't feel great I'm just gonna have a day at home and I've fallen asleep on the city and I'd woken up and I'd gone to the bathroom and I came back down and all of a sudden my body went into shakes and I was mm-hmm. in absolute agony and um, I phoned my next door neighbor who'd just gone out because I just opened the front door. They'd gone out. So I phoned my mum and um, she came down with one of my nephews who was visiting and picked me up. And she said, it's probably the side effects from the chemo. Your temperature's not high. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just come home and we'll monitor it. And we did for another week. So I'm there going in absolute agony. Um, so I go a whole week with this thing happening. And then on the Monday, I'm driving to work. And I'm a couple of junctions down on the motorway when something says to me in my head, my body, I hear someone saying or feeling someone say, go home. Mm-hmm. So I got to the motorway. I turned around. I went back home. So I'm literally about half an hour away from home. 
went to see my GP. So I got an appointment when I got in, saw the same GP, and she said, all your tests have come back clear for, for cancer, which is great news. Uh-huh. If you'd come to me with just this, I would have said it's appendicitis. Um, I'm going to admit you straight to hospital. I want you to go straight down. So I went straight down, um, saw the original consultant that I originally saw. He did some more tests. He gave me another CT scan. And I'll never, ever forget his words. He came back and he said, you are a very, very poorly young lady. Mm-hmm. You are not at all well. Your appendix have burst. They're now in an abscess, which is stuck to your bowel and your colon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try and do keyhole. Um, but if I can't, then I'm going to have to open you up. You need to stop drinking because at this point I am absolutely dehydrated. I can't get water down me fast enough. But he's telling me you've got to stop drinking because otherwise I can't operate. Um, had a very, very painful night. Um, and then the next day they they took me down into theatre he tried to do keyholes, which I tried to say I got my belly dimples. Um, mm-hmm. But he ended up having to open me up. So I've got a scar from the top of my belly button to the top of my bikini line. Uh-huh. So about a six-inch scar. Um, and he had to obviously remove that abscess, remove some of my colon and some of my um, bowel. And so therefore, I was in intensive care, 48 hours. By this time, my hair is falling out. I had had it cut, cut quite short, um, but it is now all falling out. Um, I'm having a blood transfusion. Um, and I'm yeah, in intensive care for 48 hours before they admit me to a ward, um, which I did the night before my 45th birthday. So um, there you go. I, being in hospital for my birthday on my bucket list, just so I could tick it off. But so yes, yeah, so I was then in, in in hospital for about two weeks, um, recovering from this this surgery. Um, I had a pick line in my arm for obviously for the chemo. So and of course because I had my lymph nodes removed. They can't do anything on this arm. So I've got lots of, as you know, when you're in hospital, you've got cannulas in your on your hand, in my in my arm. They can only take blood from my pick line. So it's all kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a week later, um, I had an infection in my wound. Um, so it was all red, it was all swollen, it was all hot, and they had to reopen me up in the ward. And mm-hmm. um, they got me a vacuum pack. Um, so this machine, so they could put it on me, which got all the all the infection out of my wound. But I, basically, I had an open wound, which was about yeah. five centimeters long, a couple of centimeters wide, a couple of centimeters deep. Wow. Now, the, how was your mindset going on this? Because again, you were in a severe depression. You were working your way out, and oh no, I got this uh, drainage cancer. What are you talking about? And then the chemo. And you go, well, yeah, this side of the side effects is leaving me some pain, but I'll get through it. And then it's appendicitis and now the wound uh, thing going. So, I mean, how is your mindset? Because, because again, you already had your low self-esteem and low confidence and, and stuff. So are you going, what in the world can happen now? Or are you trying to fight it the best you can? It was, it was the, the whole thing about cancer. It, it took me a couple of days to, really get my head around it i mean literally mm-hmm. the day after i still went to work um oh, wow. and I, okay and i went um i was i was due to go up north in the uk with a colleague to to look around some other other our other locations and i still went because i still needed a sense of normality i still although we talked about it um and that colleague has become a very good friend now um 
uh, because, of course, I didn't know her very well, but she listened. We talked. We didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. I just needed to carry on as normal because I just needed to get my head around it. Um, it was a couple of days later when um, I had a pre-op and I'd seen the, the Macmillan nurse. Macmillan is a, a cancer charity we have over here in the UK. Um, and they have nurses that, that are, um, specialize in cancer. And I had a chat with her. And I had a few moments where I, I actually told my parents I was going back to work. I didn't. I went to see another friend, a very close friend. But I had a time in between where I just went and sat on the seafront where I lived. And I would just, just get my head around it. And I, it just hit me that I don't want to die. I want to live. Mm -hmm. And it was that kind of moment where I thought, I've gone through so much. This, this, is, this is telling me that I've got so much more to give. And then everything else that just came pandering on, um, it just, um, you know, I just kind of got on with it. But the, the big thing, the big learning for me, was the day before I got my chemo, my cancer results, my day after I got my lumpectomy results, the day before, ironically, I was at the hairdressers. <laughs> I say ironically because obviously I was going to lose it, but I was at the hairdressers. I was telling my hairdresser, and all of a sudden I said, this is the last time you're going to cut my hair. And she's like, well, don't be silly. You don't, you don't know that. It's going to be fine. I went, no. I said, this is the last time. I've just got this gut feeling. And the the day when we were waiting for results, I had this thing where I had to tell my mum this. And I just said to her, we're going to get through this. Whatever happens next, we're going to get through this. I'm going to fight it. It's going to be fine. And she was like, you know, you've been so positive. You know, what, what, what's, what are you talking about? And so then when they told me that I was going to have to have chemotherapy, I was fine. I knew. And I just said to them, I knew. I trusted my gut instinct. And so, therefore, everything that came to me, I, were, I was just listening to my gut. And mm -hmm. it was saying to me, it's going to be fine. And so I just went, right, it's going to be fine. And, and that's what my head case, my head thought was. That's what I went with. And the, the appendicitis, it was like, it was like, I suppose, the universe and my body seemed to me, if you didn't know, Louise, this cancer hasn't told you that you are meant to be here. You're meant to be helping people this is where you're supposed to be. We're going to throw you this appendicitis now just to make sure you've got the message clear that you you are here to, to, to make a difference. And that is where I went along. So everything that happened next, um, the chemo was delayed um, and just going through, I just kept looking at it going, it's going to be fine. I'm, I'm, it's all going to get through this. And I was trying to find every step. I was like, what's the lesson here? How is this going to change me? And the other big thing was that all the nitpicking all the snide comments that I got from people around me so family friends you know the people can be just make comments every now and then mm -hmm. they stopped I had not one bad comment said to me at all and it was like if I'm too poorly in your mind that you don't think what you're saying to me is nice enough you have no right to say it to me when I'm better yes and therefore, I don't have the right to let my head take that message and feed off it. Exactly. So I can, I'm now choosing what I'm telling myself and how I'm taking on those comments. It was, it's, it's really hard to describe because when I think when we think of cancer, we think of it being really bad. But I actually say that I'm grateful I had cancer because it made me learn about myself. I know how resilient I am. 
I know how strong my pain threshold is because that's what people said to me when I had stomach ache because I haven't had children well you don't know your pain threshold mm -hmm. it was like stop dismissing me <laughs> you know I now know my pain threshold is and I know how strong I am I know I'm liked for being me because I had cards and messages from ex-work colleagues I hadn't even seen for about 10 years they just heard through the grapevine and the amount of support I had was was lovely and it's something I kind of say now about mental health is we have all that support when you have someone's going through cancer unfortunately the support's not always there because whilst I would have liked to have said you know I no longer have to manage my mental health and I did say that I wasn't going to let my mental health impact me it still does I'm still a working oh, progress to that yeah that's, that's a great. continuous fight absolutely every day I have to think about what is going on in my head what my my inner voice is saying and where it's impacting on me and I will admit there's times when I've not been great and I'm mm -hmm. pulling myself back out of this you know I can see the the depression spiral and I'm at the top and I can see that if I don't sort myself out now I'll spiral yeah. back into it again yeah it's amazing how the the uh the um, I don't know life will put us into a dog fight. You know, here you are with the cancer, the appendicitis, and everything else, and you're thinking, probably thinking, you know, what else is going to happen here? But like you said, you're you're glad you were put into this fight because again, it shows you how strong you are, and shows you how much you really want to live now. Absolutely. And so, uh, I'm wondering. You said no more of those little snide comments. I'm wondering how many may have said it but you just purposely blocked it out and didn't pay attention because you've beat so much. I mean, they may have said it, you know what I'm saying? They may have said Absolutely. it and then you're just, you're not even paying attention to it anymore because you know how, how, how you truly are now. Absolutely. And also I think when I'm going for cancer, it's like, I've just, I'm just, I'm just concentrating on this. I don't care what else is going on. You know, there's arguments and things going on, you know, when people have a bit of a disagreement, I used to say, sorry, I'm off. And I was just used to go off because I'm, and of course you, people would say, well, let her, cause she's going through enough. But now I'm like, no, I'm going off. I'm not having, I don't want, life's too short to get in, involved with all these sort of, you know, yeah, debates or, or, about things. Oh, yeah, Sometimes yeah, yeah. it doesn't really matter. And in a lot of these debates I've learned, <laughs> and, and I'm part of it too. I'm not going to blame the one side it. I'm me, uh, but, I'm me. But, uh, <laughs> You know, we get we get locked in on what we believe, and then we don't want someone to change our minds. And they're the same way. So to me, I would just say, "Hey, I'm glad you speak to your voice. I'm glad you're thinking. Uh, let's go do something else. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. just to get just to." And I, I'm a big believer into the. Uh, I got a little short story. Is um, I don't get upset on the things that I have no control over. You mm -hmm. know. You have your body to control with the cancer and everything, and what you're taking yeah. and not taking. Appendicitis, even though it happened, you still have control on what's going on. You know, especially with uh, surgeries and stuff today. Uh, but uh, you know, if someone says something I don't like about me, I have no control about their mouth, and so <laughs> yeah. I, I try not to. Try not to. I'm not perfect. Uh, I, I do backfire every now and again. But uh, I try to make it as little as possible. And one time, one of my little short stories, one time we was, I was a school teacher for about 12 years. And we got a new principal in. And the new principal came in telling a bunch of stuff that we needed to be doing in school. 
And uh, I told some other teachers, said, I guarantee you that if she was back in the classroom, she would be upset. You know, she wouldn't want to do what she's trying to force us to do. Uh, but I never got real mad or anything. Some one other teacher come up to me and said, said, um, aren't you mad about this? What do you, or what? I said, I learned, I said, I learned a long time ago. I had no control over it. My dad told me growing up, if your boss tells you to do something, you go do it unless it's immoral or you're going to get hurt physically, yeah. mentally, whatever. And then that's your battle to decide if you want to go after it. Yeah. But if it's not immoral, it's not breaking the law, it's not going to physically or mentally hurt you, your boss tells you to do it, you can do it. Yeah. That's what I was brought up. So. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. It's, yeah, you you choose how you respond, isn't it? Mr. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I said, so I, I don't get upset because they told me again if it's if it's not hurting me, if that's what they want, they, they, my, again, that's my boss. I'm supposed to do it. You yeah. know, I get my check that way. So, uh, well, all right, Louise. Well, I'm so glad that you. Uh, I'm glad you made it to the other side and yes, found your you. way. Yeah. And, uh Definitely uh, that you found your way that you want to help people and found the life that you want uh, yes. during all this. And it's sad that sometimes we have to go through a big dog fight to find our way out. Absolutely. And, and, and so, and, and then again, it depends. I don't know if people are, are strong that get through the other end for basic, you know, for other people that go through similar situation and they just curl up and give up. So I, I don't know what's the difference between, cause we're all, basically built the same. Mm. And so it just, I guess, is our environment and how we're brought up and whatever. But I'm glad that you found your way and I'm glad you're a fighter. And yep. I'm glad you did the old perseverance thing. Ding, 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 ding. You got to give me a bell. You got to get a bell. <laughs> you got to give me a bell. So, but I appreciate uh, you uh, hanging in and, and uh, again, you. helping people. And so, hey, if you have a website or any social media you want to put out there for people to come find and talk to you or something yeah, yeah always always welcome people to come and ask me any questions at all um so i've got my website and um which is my my name um and so it's my instagram and also you can find me on linkedin as well and go ahead and spell out your name for the people that are listening and okay. I, tell, I tell people to, if nothing else do the old google search absolutely because my spelling on my surname is very different so obviously louise is l-o-u-i-s-e and macmillan is m-c-m-i-l-a-n so it's a bit like MC Milan. That's how you spell my surname. All right, good. And so, and I'll, I'll go find some of these uh, links and I'll put them in the show notes for make it easier for people to find you. But if anybody's listening, just again, go with her uh, name, L-O-U-I-S-E-M-C-M. You say it's I-L-A-N. And so, and then you can Google search. So. All right, Louise. So again, I'm glad you're here. One last thing I want to ask you. We know there's people hurting and struggling today. And if you can leave us with a powerful message to help us get through today, that'd be a blessing. Uh, my my go-to is always choose what nourishes you and not depletes you. There you go. What's going to build you up, not knock you down. Absolutely. So, all right. Awesome. Everybody else, say thank you for uh, being here and listening and uh, going from air. Be sure to share us out to someone you know can use a bit of uh, inspiration, some motivation. You know, her story here of, you know, what came to her right after, right after, right after. I mean, just punching her and punching her. And here she is on the other end of the wind. So 
Everybody else, thank you for being here. I'm Dr. James Perdue, the Professor of Perseverance. Thank you for coming in on the Professor of Perseverance podcast. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.